Good morning. It is delightful to be here on this special occasion, and it's always delightful to come together as God's people to worship and, uh, and to uh, pour our hearts out open to him, share what's within us, and let him pour himself into us. So it's a special uh, privilege we have, which many people in this world do not get, because we uh, know there are places in this world that don't have the kind of uh, openness and freedom that we enjoy. But today is especially uh, special because of this, what we call the induction service uh, for Pastor Kent and his lovely wife, Elaine. Now, some churches call it the installation service. I like the induction word better. Installation sounds like you're putting something in like a piece of bathroom equipment or... or, (laughs) or software into a computer or something. So installation service is, I'm, I'm, I like the word induction because it has the sense of, of being brought in and oriented and, and, and being accepted in to that community. That's what this is all about. But really, in the context of the church, an induction service like this is a very high time in so many ways. Because it positively affirms that um, gifted leaders like Pastor Kent, along with his wife Elaine, are particularly called to lead, really to serve, as we understand leading in the kingdom of God, to lead, though, within the context of the church for the strengthening of the church. In fact, this is precisely what the Apostle Paul was explaining to some of the earliest followers of Jesus when he wrote to the church in Ephesus saying that for the good of the church, for the health of the body of Christ, God has purposefully called certain individuals to be set aside to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And while this is the express purpose of the celebration today, it also serves to remind all of us that we all are called. That we all are set aside for God's kingdom purposes, as Pastor Sieg was praying about and discussing earlier this morning. We all are called for the privilege of working alongside of our Lord as change agents in this world, a world that needs transformation. Would you agree? And to all of this, it is really to encourage all of us to sort out with our Lord the gifts and the passions, excuse me, and the opportunities which each one of us have in the service of our Lord. So really, this exciting day of celebration should give all of us reason to pause, to reflect on the nature of calling, and in particular, to underscore the simple but profound truth that calling assumes listening, very obviously. So for just a few moments this morning, I'd like us to turn our attention again to the Word of God that we heard read by May just a moment ago, to that very familiar account in the life of Jesus, where we observe Jesus setting someone apart where we step into the process of how Jesus was calling 
where we hear Jesus purposefully calling someone and where we discover that that someone he was calling was listening. In Luke chapter 5, this verses 1 through 11, we're introduced to that most incredible fishing story of all time. You know, fishing stories really can get quite incredible. The fish get bigger every time they're told. But in this story, we see a miraculous drama unfolding. An amazing number of fish are caught. But also we see that one of Jesus' earliest followers are caught. We read in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 5, when Jesus had finished speaking to the multitude from the fisherman's boat offshore, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. You recall that that, uh, in order to amplify his voice, Jesus had understandably taken the boat that Simon Peter had put out a little way and spoken to the crowds, and it was a way by which everyone could hear him better. And then he said, let's put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Notice in this that Jesus was calling and that somehow even there Peter was listening. Verse 5 says, Peter answered and said, Oh, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. Now, at first glance, we're inclined to say, well, of course, Peter was listening to the Lord because he was right there, right next to the Lord. Yet, it's very important for us to notice this because Jesus didn't have to somehow catch Peter's attention. He didn't have to send Peter some kind of supernatural memo, make some spiritual appointment with Peter. Peter was able to hear from the Lord because Peter was close to the Lord. Which begs the question, how did Peter get there? How did Peter get close to the Lord? Well, essentially, Peter was close to Jesus because Jesus had come close to Peter. As I just mentioned moments ago, we read it again in verses 1 to 3. One day Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the other, the one belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. There he sat down and taught the people from the boat. In this it is clear that it was Jesus who moved towards Peter. It was Jesus who got into Peter's boat. It was Jesus who stepped into Peter's life. Now, of course, for Peter, you know that was a bit of a disruption in his day, in his agenda, in his life. Because, first of all, Peter was at work. He was still cleaning up after that long, frustrating night of fishing. Verse 2 of this chapter reminds us that when, Peter, when Jesus stepped into the boat that morning, Peter and the other fishermen were washing their nets. While Jesus was close, Peter was doing what he always did. So he had to deal with the disruption of Jesus entering into his routine. Jesus entered into Peter's busy, tiring, boring, but predictable routine. First, Peter was at work. Second, Peter was among his peers. 
Can't you just hear some of his fishing buddies in the boats down the shore saying a few things to, to Peter as they go on floating by saying, Hey, Pete, who's the guy in the boat? Peter had to deal with disruption to his reputation, to his status among his fishermen peers. Third, Peter was, shall we say, a bit rough on the edges. And he knew it. He even admitted it after that miraculous catch of the fish in verse 8 where he says, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter had to deal with the disruption to his identity, to how he saw himself. Now he was seeing himself as a sinner. Certainly Jesus was close. But to listen to the Lord, Peter had to deal with just how disruptive that was. And friends, as it was for Peter, so it is for all of us. That when it comes to listening to the Lord, Jesus still is the one who takes the initiative. He is the one who still comes close to us. He moves our way. He steps into our lives. But to hear his voice, more than anything, we must deal with how that impacts our lives. We must deal with the very disruptions that it can bring. We must reckon with the busyness and the tyranny of the urgent. We must watch out for the boredom of the routine and the seduction of fatigue. We must stare down the noise of peer pressure. We must come to grips with who we really are or who we really are not. Because it's one thing to be close physically, geographically. It's another thing to be close relationally, attentively. So to be close enough to really listen. Listening to the Lord assumes that we are close to the Lord. But of course, that's a huge assumption to make. And not because he is far away. Indeed, the scriptures are persistent in telling us that the Lord is with you when you are with him. So it asks me the question, this passage, are you, Terry, close to the Lord? He's asking each one of us as we read this passage, how close are you to the Lord? Are you close enough to hear his voice? Or are the normal distractions of life which make listening to the Lord feel like some kind of mystical experience, which make listening to the Lord some kind of impractical spiritual exercise? Is that the kind of disruption that may be happening in any one of our lives? Is there some noise in your heart today that blocks out the voice of the Lord This passage is asking us that very question, which mitigates you and I really hearing the call of God. Not maybe the call of God when he first called us to follow him, but maybe the call of God for what he would like us to do today or tomorrow or for the the rest of our lives for as long as he grants us breath. Sometimes we need to pull away for elongated periods of time in in silence and, and being alone with maybe even fasting to get rid of the distractions of our lives. To be able to hear the voice of God 
and then regularly, even fervently, praying alongside of others to test whether or not we are actually listening to the Lord when we are hearing the voice of God and to measure the validity of what we are hearing from the Lord. Friends, there can be no question that the Lord is speaking because he's still with us. He's alive, isn't he? He's the resurrected Lord who we just celebrated, as Pastor Sig indicated moments ago. He's still speaking. The question, are we close enough to hear? Peter was. In fact, Peter took listening to a whole extra level. He took listening from hearing the Lord's words to obeying the Lord's words. As we've already noticed in Chapter 5, 4 to 5, when Jesus had finished speaking to the multitudes, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, oh, master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing. But, I don't know how long it took for him to get that, but at your bidding, we will let down the nets. Now, just consider for a moment, what it took for Peter to even agree to that suggestion. He was a seasoned fisherman who knew the best time to fish was during the night, not during those daylight hours. He was maybe a frustrated fisherman who had already been up all night fishing, but to no avail. And he was a tired fisherman who had just finished washing his nets for the day, thinking maybe about a bagel and coffee or something, and about a place to take a long nap. Even the thought of going back at it again at the recommendation of a teacher may have been a little bit of a grinding the teeth kind of moment for him. But the amazing thing is that he did. He did give the fishing thing one more try. He did listen. Peter did respond. And the question is why? Why did Peter do that? What moved Peter from being attentive to Jesus to being active with Jesus? I mean, perhaps it was simply because Peter was honored or impressed that this rabbi had chosen to use his old smelly boat as a pulpit, which then begs the question, what did Peter really know about Jesus? Well, We know that Jesus had been traveling around Peter's neck of the woods for a while. We read in in the chapter prior, in Luke 4, verse 31, that Jesus came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath day. And we know that Jesus' reputation as a teacher and a worker of miracles was growing. We read in chapter 4, verse 37, that the report about Jesus was getting out into every locality in the surrounding district. But perhaps the most significant thing about what Peter knew of Jesus is we know Jesus had already touched Peter's life in a very personal way. We read in Luke chapter 4, verse 38 and 39, that Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. What was he doing there? Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they made requests of Jesus on her behalf. And then, standing over her, 
Jesus rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she immediately arose and began to serve them. Now, I know that there are way too many mother-in-law jokes to ever start to even uh, be walking carefully into this um, passage. So let me say it's enough to this. When Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, things got a whole lot better in Peter's life. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because it got better in his household. And as a result, Peter probably got a whole lot more receptive to that stranger who had now impacted his life personally. In so many words, by the time Jesus was giving Peter some early morning fishing advice, Peter had seen enough of this Jesus. He had seen enough of his love. He had seen enough of his power to take the risk on this rabbi, to expend the time and energy to consider Jesus' suggestion and to engage Jesus' words. By the time Peter and Jesus pushed off the shore that morning, Peter had seen enough of this Jesus to listen to the Lord, to be open to the Lord, to be open to the Lord's possibilities. Peter had seen enough of Jesus to be open to Jesus. And the question again begs, have we? Have we seen enough of Jesus to be open to what he wants to do in in our individual lives, in our world, in this church, through this church? Because that's when the miracles happen. Listen to... Listening to the Lord assumes that we are close to the Lord, first of all. But second, it assumes that we are not closed to the Lord. So, what does it take for you and for me to be receptive to his possibilities? To to grant him room in our lives? To exercise his love and power in us and, and through us. Inevitably, it requires trust. And that should come as no surprise to us because it is trust that forms the basis of all relationships, isn't it? And it is trust which is imperative for any relationship to keep growing. In fact, it is trust, which we most often identify as the word faith, it is trust that is absolutely imperative in the kingdom of God. In the final analysis, it is our faith in God that leads us to obey God. That's why the word of God says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say, well, usually you can't please God without faith. No, no. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith in him, trust in him, belief that he can do it. He will yet do it. What? So as we assess our openness to the Lord, are we assessing our trust in him is the question. Perhaps like Peter, you are one who began a trust relationship with the Lord as you observed him at a distance, working in the life of someone else you know. And perhaps, like Peter, your trust of the Lord significantly progressed as you discovered him in your boat, operative in your life, very close, very active in your day-to-day. But perhaps, like Peter, 
your trust of the Lord is now, in this day, about to take a leap forward, or needs to take a leap forward. As he may be speaking with you about something which is challenging you. He may want to speak with you about something that is stretching you, about something that is not comfortable for you, about something that feels risky, about something that doesn't even make sense to you. The question remains, as it did for Peter, have you seen enough of Jesus? Have you seen enough of this Jesus to be open to him? Do you trust him enough to be open to his possibilities? To what extent are you and I really prepared to listen to the Lord? This listening is an act of obedient listening. It's expecting us to carry out the word of the Lord, to practically respond to his will, not to be just hearers of the word, but doers as well, to be actively doing whatever we have heard from him, to become responsible with what he is saying to us, to listen in that way with integrity, with integrity. Because listening to the Lord is all about readiness. So, are you ready? As it was for Peter when Jesus spoke to him along the shores of Galilee, so it is today that he is speaking. He is speaking into the hearts and minds of men and women, young men and women, the world over. He's speaking regarding his love, regarding his salvation, regarding his service, his heart. He's speaking personally and and persistently and purposefully so as to reaffirm his presence and his power and his purpose, his life-transforming power within the history among all of human creation. But if we're ever going to hear him, we must remain close to him and not ever be closed to him. We must be listening so as to know what the Lord is saying and to respond to the Lord's call. The question is, are you ready? Shakespeare says readiness is all. What did he know? The scriptures say, like Peter, are you ready? 